Coming up, I'm going to teach you how you can be an ideal leader. And then we're going to examine the growing differences between college and trade school and the opportunities attached to them. Let's go. All right, this is where we help you grow professionally, grow personally, so that you can win in your work life. You spend more time at work in any other area of your life. And if you're not winning there, it's affecting the rest of your life. I'm Ken. This is the Ken Coleman Show. All right, let's talk to those of you. And again, we for years and years and years, we've gotten calls from people who are uh, considering a promotion that would put them into leadership. They're new into leadership or uh, they um, have been in leadership and and they're struggling. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about how to be an ideal leader. What do I mean by that? A leader who is known for getting things done, moving things forward, a leader that has real influence. Uh, One of my mentors, I used to work for John Maxwell, famously has said, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. In in other words, if you think you're a leader and no one's following you, you're just taking a walk. (laughs) And, And sadly, this is what we see in the corporate workplace that is creating the divide, the tension between the worker and the leader to a level that we've never seen before. The ideal leader is the kind of leader that people like, respect, and are willing to follow, and they follow. But to be that person, you need to embody characteristics of two different types of people. So the ideal leader is essentially a blend, a medley if you will. You must become this dynamic duo. What am I talking about? I think the medley for the ideal leader is a good leader and a good entrepreneur. Smash the characteristics of a leader and smash the characteristics of an entrepreneur together like I do my smash burgers at home. All right? You get all the ingredients in and just and you just smash them together. So the characteristics of a great entrepreneur and the characteristics of a good leader, if we can smash them together, blend them together, now we've got the ideal leader. Now, I want you to think of the leader and the entrepreneur in this lesson in these ways. Let's create an archetype, shall we? A good leader, I want you to think of as a shepherd. And I want you to think of the good entrepreneur as a lone wolf. All right, so we're just going to go. we got two archetypes. The shepherd's the leader. The entrepreneur's the lone wolf. All right? So, so did you know that the qualities that make a leader stand out and that make an entrepreneur stand out complement each other? Let's break them down. Think about the leader as the shepherd. They are defined by being servant-oriented. They are servant That's what the shepherd does. The shepherd is serving the sheep, protecting the sheep, leading the sheep, rescuing the sheep. That's what a servant is all about. The heart of the shepherd is the heart of a servant. A leader is a visionary. They have a vision. They're looking out towards the future. They see what followers usually do not see. They're decisive. Leaders must make decisions. And then they have integrity. There's something 
bigger than their own gain. They're not in it for themselves, thus they're honest. And see, this is a shepherd. Think about it. The shepherd in guiding the sheep, right? They're thinking about the bigger picture. It's not about them. It's about protecting everyone of the sheep, protecting the herd, right? That is a shepherd. That is a leader. Now let's think about the lone wolf, the entrepreneur. Courageous, fearless. The wolf's not afraid of anything. They're not afraid. They go after what they want. The entrepreneur, that lone wolf, is also very, very creative. They have to be innovative. A lot of times they don't have any resources. The greatest creativity and innovation comes from a lack of resources. They're enthusiastic. Ho! The lone wolf, right? You know, they let everybody know we're here, baby. They're howling at the moon. They're they're organizing the pack. They are enthusiastic. And then finally, determined. There's no stopping the entrepreneur. There's no stopping them. So to become an ideal leader, uh, or as we might say around here at Ramsey Solutions, an entree leader. In fact, we say it very, very specifically. Dave Ramsey, my leader. My mentor created the term Entree Leadership. It became a number one best-selling book and now is a thriving division, building leaders, growing leaders, pouring into leaders, reproducing leaders at some of the greatest events and a great podcast and beyond. Now, so we call it an Entree Leader. So Dave did, in fact, years ago, do what I'm telling you to do, and I think it's absolutely a master stroke. He took the qualities of an entrepreneur, the qualities of a leader, and he said, you know what? These blend and they they play off of each other. They build off of each other, almost like stacking blocks. And so an entree leader takes those qualities of the shepherd and the lone wolf, the leader and the entrepreneur, and they smash them together. So if you want to become this very valuable hybrid to be an ideal leader, let's just play with these. You need to be an enthusiastic servant, excited to serve the people that you have been blessed to serve. You need to be a courageous and decisive decision maker. Listen, sometimes you're going to have to make decisions in leadership where you don't have all the facts. You must be courageous to make the decision anyway and actually make it. I had the privilege of interviewing Condoleezza Rice, former Secretary of State and National Security Advisor. So this is a woman who had been advising on life and death decisions. Life and death for our honorable servicemen and women in our military. Life and death potentially for collateral damage to innocent civilians. This is serious business. It does not get more serious. And I asked her a question one time on the entree leadership stage in front of 6,000 leaders. I said, what did you learn about making decisions that had life and death consequences, but you didn't have all the facts, but you still had to make a decision? This is the idea I'm talking about. An entree leader is a courageous and decisive there are times where you have to make a decision like Condoleezza Rice did to tell the president, this is what I think we should do. And the president has to say, all right, we're going to go and do it. We only have so many facts. We don't know exactly how it's going to go. But if we don't make a decision, it's worse. We must be courageous and make the best decision that we can make. Is it the right one? Don't know. Welcome to leadership. 
Let's go on. Another combo. An entree leader is a creative visionary. Think about that. I think of Walt Disney here. Walt was a very imaginative and creative young man. He started out as a cartoonist. And as he began to see the success, starting with Mickey Mouse and things grew, this is a man who went from cartoons and movies to say, we need a theme park. This is a guy who who used his creativity and imagination to inform his vision. And flying over a swamp, it's been so famously documented, which is now Disney World in the Orlando, Florida area, it was nothing more than a swamp. And as he flies over, he envisions something. This is the idea here. So without creativity, a vision can be lackluster and unoriginal. It can be just a direction. You need to be a determined leader. Driven. Insatiable. Indefatigable. Right? You're not stopping. I think of Winston Churchill. Determined with integrity. See, sometimes leaders can be determined to to get the result, but they'll cut corners or they'll do something that is not full of integrity just to get the result. Whereas entree leaders are determined, they're driven, they won't stop, but they don't leave their integrity at the door. And I think of Winston Churchill, never, never, never give up. Do what is right, no matter how loud the critics are. So how do you become the ideal leader? You meld those characteristics that I have just laid out for you. You have the spirit of the entrepreneur and the character of a leader. Blend them together. Servant, integrity, all those things. And yet, I'm going to be creative. I'm going to be imaginative, enthusiastic. That's the idea. Take the characteristics of both the entrepreneur and the leader. Put them together and you're an entree leader. But more importantly, you're an ideal leader who will do great things. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life, and it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. And we can talk to our friends, or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, but you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, it will eventually leak out, and it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space to get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken.
Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. want to help you grow personally so you can move up professionally. Uh, listen, uh, some of you are out there and you're feeling like, Ken, I'm stuck. I've got a lid on me. And I feel like I, I, I've been passed over, been looked over. I, I don't have a lot of options. I don't know enough people. Um, I don't I don't have any opportunity. I'm just really, really down. If that's you, uh, years ago, I created a process that takes a lot of the fear out of connecting. You know, we hear the word networking, and it feels really gross, and rightfully so, because a lot of these networking events are, you know, it's kind of like a meat market. It's kind of like speed dating on steroids. What can you do for me? And it's just the whole thing feels gross, and it's not fun, even for extroverts. It's certainly not fun for introverts. Well, what if you could do what I learned to do years ago that served me so well when I started into a new industry with zero experience and not much skill broadcasting, I learned how to turn connections into opportunities. And I mean connections, not gross, using people, being that person that looks like a vampire that just sucks an opportunity out and leaves people for dead. No, I mean like real connecting, the art of connecting, that will turn those interactions into doors of opportunity that open for you. If that's you or someone you know and you think, hey, I could use this, we've got a free webinar coming up Tuesday, February 20th at 12 noon Eastern time, 11 Central. So noon Eastern, 11 Central, Tuesday, February 20th. It's a free webinar. You can sign up at KenColeman.com slash webinars, KenColeman.com slash webinars. And while I'm at it, hey, if you're enjoying the show, will you help us grow? You're the greatest marketing tool that the world has ever known. You can do that by liking the video. That's a thumbs up on YouTube, subscribing to our YouTube channel, sharing videos that help you think it'll help others. And then if you're listening via the podcast, uh, a follow on the podcast app and uh, a five-star rating and a share, boy, that would be so nice. All right. Uh, We've got a team brought the video to me. The team brought me a video. And uh, it is, uh, I guess it went pretty viral, a very interesting situation where a lady is talking about her journey to college versus her husband's journey to trade school. So I haven't seen this. The team wanted me to react to it. Let's take a look. Okay, I'm going to let y'all in on like something that I feel like is really under talked about and it should be talked about more because I would have never known this. So... Everyone pushes college, 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 and I went to college. I have a master's degree. I make very good money for my age. My husband did not go to college, and I've talked about this on here before, and I don't think you understand. I don't think you understand it, so I'm going to throw it into perspective for you, and I say it not to brag, but to hopefully help, help any of you. I have a college degree. He has a high school diploma. He went to trade school right after high school. He got his certificates and everything. And here we go. So this past July, he had already brought home, brought home more than my gross salary this year. Come December, he will have quadrupled my salary. Okay, this is great. I love that she's breaking this down. This is not a woman who's jealous uh, or spiteful. She's just going, here's the reality. And, and here's why I pause right here. This is what's going on. This is what's going on. The message the marketing message from the powers that be, the federal government, who they're behind the student loans. College educators, they're the ones profiting off the student loan. They've been marketing a message and we all swallowed it whole. It was that college makes you more successful. And she's obliterating this idea. 
She's obliterating it beautifully, by the way. Young people for generations have no idea in mass that the, the, the large chunk of young people aren't told, and maybe it's because their parents don't know, although I don't buy that, how much money you can really make in the trades. And maybe the parents don't know, but it's like, it's like all the trades, by the way, need to get together. My solution to this, all the trades. They all got associations. They should all get together and go, wait a second. We got all the colleges and university system and the federal government and their student loan machine. They're all colluding. We should collude for goodness, right? Let's come together, put all of our association money together, and let's start advertising and talking about the path forward for people to realize you can make really good money quadruple what somebody makes with a master's degree. Let's see what else she has to say. Quadrupled it. If he decides to pick up overtime on a weekend, a two-day weekend, if he picks up overtime, he brings home that weekend, just in those two days, more than I make in a two-week check. I have a master's degree. He has a high school diploma. So that reason right there is why I will not push college on anyone. If you think that college is not for you and you want to try a trade school, obviously look into it. See if you think that you have what it takes. And then 100% do it. Do it. I don't think that enough people are talking about this. Mm. And it is 100% worth it if you stick with it. He's been doing it for eight years. So obviously he has made his way up the ladder. But if he leaves his job today, 100% guarantee he will make the exact same amount of money wherever else he decides to go. I cannot, I cannot stress it enough. I can't stress it enough. I am so jealous. Like, he doesn't have student debt. Nothing. And he's quadrupling my salary in one year. (laughs) <laughs> now she does go she does go on to say that I'm a little jealous but she's obviously not eaten up with envy at all I mean she's benefiting from this but she makes a very very good point that this is the plain spoken reality and we've got to start talking about it more openly there's a stigma of shame for zero reason now she doesn't say how much her husband is making but let's just play with some numbers that I think are probably safe. She said he's quadrupled her salary. Okay. So let's say she's making 50. He's making 200,000. Could be more than that. If she's making 70, he's pushing 300,000. Eight years, she points out, he has come out of high school. He goes to trade school. He's been in the industry eight years. So again, let's make some assumptions that are safe here. Let's say he graduates at 18. He's now in the 26-year-old range, maybe 27, after eight years. And he's making really good six-figure income. Uh, well, you know, where's the stigma on that? I can't find it. Is it because he does something that he sweats a lot? and Maybe he wears, you know, maybe he's dirty at the end of the day. I freaking played pickleball last night for two hours. I was right when I came back in the house. I tried to hug my wife. She's like, you stink. I'll get a shower. I mean, what? Like, where's the real stigma there? 
I'm happy to go out and play sports and stink and get sweaty and everything else. If I cut my lawn or do yard work and I'm nasty and smelly, I don't skulk into my house. I What do I do? I walk in. I feel good. I just took care of my yard. Where's the stigma with a trade job that isn't sexy, that, that you've got, you know, uh, a dirty face, you smell, you know, whatever it is. Where's the stigma? I don't get it. There should be no stigma. All right, so instead of stigma, well, what's the status? Let's look at status because the college degree has been pushed on the American people as a status symbol. All right, well, let's look at this guy in the trades and his status symbol. All right, so here's a guy has zero debt, making really good money. Let's just say he's doing basic 401k. He is well on his way to being a millionaire, and there's a good possibility that he's going to become a business owner and then create jobs and allow other people to learn a skill and to develop a livelihood and to reach their dreams. Where's the status symbol that says this is a hardworking American who didn't go to college, who worked their way with a skill up the ladder and is actually living and breathing the American dream. This is the marketing message that has to be shared. And we get instead we got kids feeling shame and a stigma to try to go that path. It's the most nonsensical thing that you could possibly think of. And yet We've all bought it hook, line, and sinker. It's time for a change. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman Show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman. BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Time to coach some people up. Let's go. Kevin is on the line in Fort Collins, Colorado. Kevin, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hi, Ken. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? Oh, just doing terrific now. How can I help? Um, I'm calling. Uh, I'm trying to figure out uh, the new career path after spending 10 years in kind of the wrong one. Um, okay. Tell me about that. Uh, so I went to college actually to become a firefighter. I got my degree and then decided it was the wrong career path. And I took a job at, um, 
the prison near where I live. Um, cause that's that and Walmart are the two areas of main income. Uh, cause I live in a smaller town. Um, did you say you, you pursued being a firefighter and you didn't like it? Uh, yeah, it got a little too, uh, the thing that got me was like someone's life is literally in your hands and I was 18 and just wasn't prepared at the time. Okay. Gotcha. All right. And um, so you've been working at a prison doing what? Uh, so I was working there. Um, I spent five years there and now I am in charge of asset protection at a grocery store. Um, and I'm just, I'm not happy doing security. I want to do stuff helping people, but I just don't know, um, the path to go forward really, um, where to start, where to go. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, let's focus on the destination. Gotcha. Cause I, I'm going to push you, Kevin, because I've done this a lot. And when someone tells me they don't know their direction, I've learned to not believe that. Not because you're lying, but because I think that deep down you do know, yet it feels maybe like it's completely impossible. And you go, okay, I'm going to call Ken, and maybe Ken pulls this out of me, and I can kind of validate this thing I'm thinking about. Am I describing right. you? Um, yeah, uh, I, I want to do something with healthcare. There's just, there's so many options and, uh, I just got married too. So I'm, I've got that on my back. I want to be a good provider, be a good husband. No, but um, wait, 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 wait. You, you having a very, um, successful career in healthcare doesn't make you a bad husband. You pursuing that career doesn't make you a bad husband. So stop. Oh, no, it's that I want to be able to provide for I know. right now. It's I 100%. No, no, listen. I 100% know what you mean because you're a good guy. My point is that's the kind of mindset stuff that will really hold you up. Gotcha. It's fear-based. I understand you want to provide for your wife because you're a good man. Good on you. But we don't have to be destitute living under a bridge to make moves. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Gotcha. You got it? Yes, sir. I, let me tell you where I come from real quick. I was 32, 33-ish. I had three kids under the age of three. Come on, Kevin. A wife. A really nice house. I was going to pursue broadcasting. I had the same feelings. How in the world am I going to get into broadcasting without driving my kids into a cardboard box and starvation? I've been there. That's a false narrative, false choice. You got it? Yes, sir. All right, so we don't talk about that way again. But what we do is okay. we say, we call Ken, which you did. How do I get there incrementally and not break myself financially and relationally? Yes? Correct. All right, so back to the first question. You do know what it is you want to do. Yes, there are a lot of options in healthcare, but I'll bet you there's two or three that are at the top of your mind, that if I told you, Kevin, that I could guarantee, whistle right through it, guaranteed you'd crush the qualification learning process, you wouldn't have to pay a nickel for it, and you'd really love it, which one, two, or three come to mind when I remove all restrictions? Um. So... The two that come to mind are a radiology tech, like an x-ray tech, and a um, pharmacy technician. Okay, great. Have uh, you have you spoken with, spent time with a radiologist or a radiology tech and a pharmaceutical tech? Have you spent time talking to these people? Um, I actually was a pharmacy tech while I was in college, um, just not in a hospital setting. Okay, um, and so, I had a friend that went to college to be an x-ray tech, and he loves it. Okay, great. But my point is, 
you've talked to him, you know the ins and outs, the good, the bad, the ugly. You know what he gripes about, you know what he likes. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so knowing that, you still go, those are two viable options. I know that I would feel a missional sense of helping people, but I wouldn't feel the stress of their life in my hands. I'm guessing that that demon is still hanging out in your head a little bit from your firefighter experience. True or false? Uh, yeah, I might have seen some things. <laughs> and so you, so is that still off the table, like being a nurse, an EMT, other ideas like that? It's off the table because you go, I, that's not how I'm wired. Which, by the way, same way. I could never help in an in a, in a ER. Uh, um, I get squeamish. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of off the table just because, um, yeah. Okay, great. No, no yeah. shame. Okay, so... Those two things that you just that you just put out there are are two of a plethora of ideas, but how do we get confidence? Because that's what you're calling me about today. Yeah, you're just consumed with doubt. You don't know how I'm going to get there. All right, so let's walk through four simple questions that will allow you to get answers. Some on this call, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. But there are four questions you can answer. And when you get to the answers to these questions, Kevin, you will now have the details, the knowledge to be able to build a plan. And now it's not so scary. You tracking? Yes, sir. All right, here they are. First question is the education question. What do I need to learn to be qualified to be a pharmacy tech? What do I need to be qualified to be a radiologist tech or whatever it's called, radiology tech? What do I need to learn? Um, do you already have the degree and everything necessary because you did the pharmacy tech once? Um, no, not anymore. It lapses, but I do have most of the prerequisites great. from uh, being an EMT. All right, great. So we have to go find out what is it that I need to learn? What's the educational requirement to get into both of those jobs? That's checkbox number one. Now, okay. then we go to the experience question. What experience am I going to need to get? What does entry level and then growth level look like? Can I get right into those roles? Do you know the answer to that? Um, once you get the certifications, yeah. Great. That's really exciting. Third question is the economic question. What is that going to cost? Do you know the answer? Uh, no. Got to get it. Okay. Got to get it. Because now I go get the cost, all right? And let's just, I'm going to make this up, okay? Just for example okay. purposes. Let's just say it costs $20,000. I'm making that up, okay? But now mm -hmm. you know the certification process is going to cost $20,000. So now that I know what I need to learn, I know what I need to do, what's it going to cost? So now I go, okay, it's going to cost me twenty grand. And so I reverse engineer that and I go, okay, what must be true? What must I do? to come up with $20,000 so that I don't go into debt. And watch this, the very thing you're scared about, providing well for your wife, none of this is risky. None of this puts an undue burden. Now, that leads to the final question. Doing it that way, how long is it going to take? It's the expectation question. You following me? Yeah. Um, so if I look to say it is 20 grand that'd probably take me probably a year or two to save up for great now we got a plan don't we yeah the only thing you don't know on this call is what is the certification going to cost and you don't know which one you're going to pick you don't know if you're going to go pharmacy tech you don't know if you're going to go uh radiology tech or maybe there's another uh option that we don't need to discuss on this coaching call but now we know and we go okay great i got to figure out what i got to learn 
the education requirement, um, experience, what's that entry level going to look like? Because that informs what I'm going to make. So I got to I got to adjust my life for that too. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. How's this feel? How's it feeling so far? Uh, a little better. Yeah. You know why not, it feels daunting. Yeah. You know why it feels better? Because there's a plan. Because you're really close to knowing everything you need to know. You know what the number one fear is for human beings? I'm convinced. Do you know what it is? What do you think it is? Um, public speaking. No. It's the unknown. Oh. Think about it. Yeah. The unknown. It's terrifying. Walk in a dark cave, can't see, I'm paralyzed. I'm in a car, deluge of rain, can't see outside the hood of the car. What do I do? Stop immediately, pull over. Scary, isn't it? Right. And that's what's going on. So your homework gotcha. assignment is uh, walk through those four questions, get all the answers, and now we go, oh, okay, babe, look, I can stay in the job I'm in right now, and I can pick up a couple side hustles, yada, 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 to come up with the money, and in two years we got the money. I can go get the training while I'm holding down the job, or we adjust our budget this way, blah, 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 and then we look at one, two years down the road, our life has changed, I'm happy, she's happy, everybody's happy. You got it? Got it. Kevin, this is doable, my man. Thank you for the call. Folks, those four simple questions are a life changer for folks. It allows you to move forward because you're not full of fear and doubt. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.